Welcome to the Get Sacred Podcast. I'm your host, intuitive life coach, Melissa Elysian, and I'm here to teach you how to create more money, more love, and more sacred success. If you're ready to create a lusciously abundant and pleasure-filled life, you're in the right place. Hello, 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 everyone. I'm so excited for this podcast episode because I got my friend Kate, who is a coach, on the episode today. We were catching up last week and had a conversation that blew my damn mind, like really just like stretched me and like helped me see perspectives that I didn't have and also helped me see ways that like she and I, though, we're walking on this planet in a different, <laughs> in different shades of skin color and like experience are going through something really similar and different that I think touches everybody who's in the industry of coaching and touches anyone who's like working in the space of growing in personal development. So I wanted us to have this conversation. So I'm so excited to introduce Kate. Kate, thank you so much for being with me today. I'm so excited for this conversation. Can you please tell everybody who you are, what you do, how they can find you, et cetera. And then I'll tell them our friendship love story. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. I'm so excited to be here. I'm just, you know, our conversation last week was so energizing and I just, I'm really grateful to be able to continue it and just put it out there together. Thank you. Uh, my name is Kate Perizzini. I'm a coach right now. I'm working one-on-one with folks on themes of self-trust, themes of values alignment, clarity in their own lives and what's next, and working with their natural kind of energy flow, energy levels, natural patterns to create a life that feels grounded and authentic for them. And um, moving forward in a sense of self-trust and confidence from that foundation. And um, I tend to work with people one-on-one currently, and in the future, we'll be expanding my offerings to a group or a mentorship, um, membership opportunity. But right now, I'm strictly one-on-one. Okay, cool. Yeah. That's awesome. All right, so if you are feeling the need to get grounded in your own unique way, Kate has your back. So I will tell you now our little love story. Kate and I were in a uh, coaching like accelerator program for business last year. And what ended up happening was um, like the Black Lives Matter movement started to escalate in its like intensity. And I was just feeling the emotional weight of the work and the hardship and the despair of the moment. And I was in this container, this coaching container with Kate, where I recognized that, well, it wasn't even recognized. Like I heard silence. Like I was the only black person in the group and I heard silence. I didn't hear anything except from Kate, by the way, I don't know if I told you, Kate, you were the only person who reached out to me Mm -hmm. to check in on me, um, before I had to say something about it about how silent it felt to be in the group and not have anyone speak to how challenging and difficult it was a time and like what was happening in the country. And so I ended up speaking out about that and leaving the group because it just didn't feel safe for me to be having the kind of experience that I was having surrounded by people who just didn't get it, couldn't relate and didn't, and, and didn't find ways to connect with me 
about it, even just to show support. So I ended up leaving that space. And when Kate and I checked in with each other last week, we talked about this and I was sharing with her how, um, just like what I learned from that time and how since that time I've been really mindful and careful about who my teachers are, like what environments, learning environments I want to be in and like how difficult it is now to just learn how to do it because I'm still having to figure out how to make those decisions. Um, and Kate and I talked about it. And like, before we even started recording this, we just spoke to the fact like, this is an uncomfortable conversation to have. <laughs> it's a very uncomfortable conversation to have because not because when we were having it together, it was so uncomfortable as much as we're having it this conversation recorded and we are in full awareness that we don't have the answers. Like we're both curious and trying to figure out how to navigate well the spaces that we're in, in a way that helps us to grow without like continuing to perpetuate the bullshit that we don't want to be a part of anymore. Like mindsets and beliefs and ways of being and white supremacy to call it what it is anymore and like how to navigate those spaces. And our conversation is great because here I am a black woman and Kate's white and we're like, how do we figure out how to do this? Well, we don't know, but we recognize we're breathing in the same, like we're all breathing in this very toxic culture. And like, how do we find safe spaces? How do we make the right choices so that not only are we able to like shed the things that we don't want to be, believe, act out anymore, but also that we're making sure that no one's planting those seeds or watering things that we don't want to grow any longer. So that's the caveat. Kate, you can speak to that if you want to. Your own feelings of like um, being uncomfortable in this conversation, <laughs> feel free to share what yours are. Yeah, I, uh, you know, I think, I think when we were talking last, our conversation just branched so naturally. We got going and we, you know, we'd originally just scheduled this chat to connect and catch up on a, like on a friend's level. And then all of a sudden this conversation just sprouted. It was like every, every exchange we had, there were more questions open. There were questions that we had for each other and um, at a certain point, you know, we acknowledged the fact that like, maybe this conversation needs to, um, you know, as unresolved and imperfect as it is, uh, I think you, you put it really well. It's important for us to be witnessed in our process of talking about this and that it's, um, you know, it definitely can be uncomfortable to, um, to risk, I guess, saying something or, or kind of, messing up, I guess, along the way, but that, that's just the, I see this conversation as a microcosm of a larger one that we're having collectively, where there are just so many different exchanges and so many different levels of experience and levels of understanding, levels of intersection that to be witnessed in this process is a very natural, albeit difficult thing. It's, it's important. And um, you know, I'm, I'm grateful to have this space here with you to, to talk about this openly and, um, this avenue to, you know, be able to 
say this with an audience listening and talk about these things with an audience listening and possibly continue that dialogue, you know, once people listen, like I'm, I'm open to furthering this conversation beyond just you and me. I would love if folks listening now, um, you know, if, if there's anything compelling from the episode that you want to reach out and talk about, I'm, I don't want to speak for you, but I'm definitely open to that messy conversation Yeah, <laughs> continuing on a larger scale. I'm also down for the cause. <laughs> the thing that I think is really excellent about what happened because it's our two different experiences is that I was predominantly talking about race and how I can find safe spaces to be coached and like, and how difficult that is. Cause it like, it's not as simple as just like, oh, if I'm with a black person, then that I'm automatically means that I'm in a safe container or like that. It's not, it's, it's, it's so much more complicated than that. And then what was, I think, amazing in our conversation is how you were having experiences of, of trying to find safe spaces as you were dealing with QAnon stuff. And like, I don't live in that <laughs> realm of like, I just, I just keep laughing at it because I'm like, they don't want me. Like, they just don't want me. <laughs> So like, I haven't had to navigate my Facebook feed saying like, I've had to navigate like racist shit on my Facebook feed, but I haven't had to navigate, um, like QAnon conspiracy shit because they don't want me. And like, even my boyfriend who's white and Jewish, it's like, he has like a little bit more exposure, but they also don't want him at all. Like they, like, they, like so like my <laughs> When you were bringing that to the table, I was like, oh my gosh, we are in a similar circumstance where it's like, sometimes what we're seeing is blatant and sometimes what we're seeing is subtle and we don't know until we're in it, sometimes whether or not this is a safe space, like who can we listen to, who can be trusted and like, how do we make decisions for ourselves in those spaces? So I loved hearing about your experience navigating coaching as a white woman and dealing with like that whole wellness world being sketch. And like, I love to hear <laughs> you talk about <laughs> that's what it is. And then it's I so perfect. Right, right. All of a sudden it was like the sketchy, like I think for a lot of people, wellness has always been sketch, but for those of us who actually really love crystals and burning sage and, med and meditating and like whatever else go and yoga and shit, like, it's only a halfway sketch for me, like a quarter sketch. And like, because of QAnon in white spaces, I think it's turned like everything is a little sketchy now because you don't know. So I want to hear from you what that experience was like, because in a lot of ways, I think it mirrored what I was, what I've been going through in my own experience with race and like white supremacy in coaching world, the coaching industry. So please tell us that experience that I have no like connection to at all. <laughs> I just don't. Sure. Yeah. It, um, it was uncomfortable. It was a realization that in the wellness space, in the coaching space, um, in the internet self-development worlds, there are, my big realization was that there are more gradients than there are, um, differentiations. And what I mean by that is that like in parsing out as a coach, like, okay, where am I oriented? First of all, I'm like firmly anti-QAnon and I just want to make that very clear. But as a coach, 
um, there are elements of that philosophy. There are elements of the idea of um, firm bodily sovereignty, COVID denialism, this kind of like um, trust your body above all else and don't listen to anyone else. Don't listen to anything from Western medicine. Don't listen to anything from mainstream science that, um, that existed on a, a continuum that became very clear to me that like, we're all sort of in the same hot tub in this wellness space. And that includes a lot of folks perpetuating this sort of anti-science, um, you know, it, um, this, a lot of the views that sort of tend, tend to fall under the QAnon conspiracy umbrella. And, um, I was looking at where I was at as a coach, you know, starting out in the industry and building my practice. And it was this jarring moment of like, okay, it's time for me to get really, really clear about what aspects I'm aligned with here in, in the larger wellness space, in the self-development space, what aspects I am aligned with and what aspects I am deciding that I do not want to teach. Um, I do not want to perpetuate. I, I want to distance myself from as somebody who is wanting to serve people from integrity. And I think that that's, um, a very, very personal point on kind of a continuum that we all need to find for ourselves. And it was really uncomfortable for me to, to realize that, there were a lot of folks in, in my space on social media, in my space, in the larger kind of among some coaching colleagues, um, there were a lot of viewpoints that sounded really good on the surface. Like, of course, I believe that we, we all need to make up our own mind and it's really important to, um, to form your own opinions. But I was noticing that starting to then bleed into, in some cases, and, you know, don't listen to anyone else or, or ideas about um, Black Lives Matter being a conspiracy to manipulate us and not wanting to listen to anybody who's got, um, a, you know, constructive criticism for the, the way that, like, we're, as white people, uh, a question. not acknowledging our own privilege. Yeah, go ahead. Well, we're, like... So like some of the things that you mentioned, cause you said it was like a, it's like a spectrum, right? That's what mm -hmm. the, I think that's the thing that makes it so scary is like, how do you really know where people are? So my question is like, what were the subtle things that you maybe over time became aware of? Like, um, were cues to you? Like, this is not, this is not me. This is not. I'm not okay with this. This I know what this is now <laughs> and I'm not down for this cause. You know what I mean? Like what were the things? Because it sounds for me as a for me as a black woman, I have my spidey senses up for all sorts of things in that realm. Like I already know. For me personally, when in like the wellness world, like it's dangerous for me because I know that um there's this level of like wokeness in the wellness world that is actually can be really actually harmful because it's like, it says like, I am, I know all the things I'm above being racist. I'm like, I'm above all of the bad things. I'm so, I'm so inclusive that like, I never think like, it's just talk. It's just, just, you know, that toxic positively bullshit. 
And for me, I feel like I can, I can sense it pretty easily because of my life, (laughs) but Mm -hmm. for you, I'm wondering how did you like, what were the cues that you saw that made you go, wait, 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 that's a question mark over there. And this is like, how did you recognize what was leaning towards Q versus things that weren't because there is this overlap that's kind of scary in the wellness industry. Like, how did you, how did you know? Mm-hmm. And what did you um, And, you know, in our conversation right now, I'm, I'm realizing that though, you know, I've been aware of spiritual bypassing tendencies within this industry for a long time, but I'm realizing the tremendous privilege in being able to intellectualize them as something that was a little more distant from me up until this point where I was like, I know that exists and I see it happening. But when you talk about literally having your spidey sentence, spidey senses up, like that's been a privilege that, or that's a way that my privilege has insulated me thus far in this conversation is having it be sort of something that is a little bit less visceral in the experience of it, a lot less visceral. And yeah, that's exactly why I'm asking. Cause I'm like, I don't think you have those spidey senses. Like you've had to, like, you're having to grow them now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. And, and it was a wake up call for me too, because I prior to this would have liked to have, um, from an ego standpoint, think of myself as someone who combs through what they're consuming from a, with a critical eye. And, um, I, I, it was a realization that, uh, there's a, there's just even still like a whole other, like levels and levels and levels that I am not privy to because of my whiteness in this space. And so some of those, some of the glaring, um, and the fact that like glaring even is, it needs to be glaring for it to register is something that I'll be, uh, unpacking for myself. But the fact like, some of the glaring things were um, this fierce resistance to cancel culture, where it was like this very defensive, it, it read, registered to me as a very defensive, almost fear reaction to cancel culture, to being canceled, to being called out. And to me, that was, it was a huge red flag. It was like this, uh, like white people being defensive is, is a red flag for me. It's like, wait a minute, there's, there's the issue at hand here and, and we're just bypassing, we're bypassing the issue. It's like someone said or did something that was offensive or like that, that, that was wrong and they're being called on it. And the backlash is all focused on this like defensive reaction to the, to like quote unquote cancel culture when really it's like distracting us from the productive and messy conversation we could be having about the wrongdoing in the first place. And like, so that was a big red flag. I started seeing that ramped up. Um, that I remember that too. And it's still like, Oh, I like that white lady. I'm just going to be frank. That's how my brain was like, I like her. And then I was like, Oh, well, there goes that because I called her out on it. And she completely freaked the fuck out Mm -hmm. and like is being mean about how people said it to her and has no idea the harm that she's caused and is being self-righteous. So like, 
I lost, I lost people that I looked up to pretty quickly when they were like being called out and they just spazzed and insisted that they were above reproach. Like, no, you are not. <laughs> no, you're not. Right. Um, yeah. So I could see how that was like a easy thing for you to be like, what's that about? Why is everybody, why is everybody insisting on not taking responsibility? One of the things that we talked about in our, com- our last conversation was like, we had, and we're not going to talk about people's names because it doesn't fucking matter who they are. Um, but like, just like there were in the group that we were in people who actually are more, I'm going to say lean in the Q direction. Mm-hmm. I don't know their business, but they lean in the Q direction. And it's like, I remember you were telling me and I was like, oh my gosh, like that makes so much sense. And they're so like, I don't even know the word, like they don't come off immediately. Like there's the, the, the loving energy feels so strong mm-hmm. for them. At least you look at it. It looks like it's so strong that you might not even know that like those two people were very, very nice to me, always very kind to me. That doesn't mean anything to me personally. I have to say, I'm going to be honest. It's like mm-hmm. someone being nice to me that they're not racist. Like I'm clear on that every day of my life, but like, how do you recognize that? Right. Cause I know that even the most well-meaning people we're all breathing in this same bias plagued air of our, our unconscious minds and our conscious minds having the thoughts of white supremacy so I, I just for the threat of violence towards my life and just like my well-being always have that sense. How did you, how did you pick apart the ability to be like, oh, that's not, this is not love and light. This is some other shit. <laughs> it was um, a few instances where, where folks were being invited into constructive conversations about BLM about COVID and I don't even want to like, like it was, it was at first it was BLM. And then I noticed that it was kind of, it it started to be, uh, any, anything that they didn't want to deal with, um, spiritually, it was cast away from a productive discussion. It was like, oh, well, I, um, I'm, I'm a set. Ended, or I am, I am focusing on keeping my energy pure, keeping my energy aligned, keeping my energy, um, essentially expanding. And within that process, there is no space at all for this mm. conversation. And you are all, you're all reacting to mind control from the news, or you're all reacting to programs that you're being fed when really, again, it was this complete distraction from the, um, messy and necessary and very real conversation at the core of it, which was like, Hey, maybe we were raised with different perspectives and maybe we have, uh, uh, there's some privilege that needs to desperately be unpacked and looked at. And, um, that conversation was just being flattened into this, uh, under the guise of energetic sovereignty. It was just being like 
pushed away and that was that was really jarring to me really that's the part boring. that's like so intriguing to me like it's energy and it's ascension and it's ascension beyond and above mm-hmm. like above and beyond you know the pe- the pettiness of black culture being upset about inequality like that that is some crazy shit <laughs> and somehow it is articulated and said in such a way of positivity and like grandeur the word that I want to come up is fuckery but like it's like it's such a good guys it's such a good guys um that I could totally see if you're not actually experiencing what a black person is experiencing that you might want to be tempted to fall in line with the the higher way, the uh, enlightened way, the ascended master way of like fucking bypassing real life that includes suffering. Right. For me, ascension is about really holding space for our whole lives. Like part of being alive has to do with, all of us feeling all of our emotions and having difficult experiencing, not just the beautiful and amazing ones, like to hold space for our whole humanity. And if you've ascended beyond, <laughs> if you've ascended beyond being a human or acknowledging other people, other humans, like where the fuck are you going? I don't know where you're going. Go there. That's fine. <laughs> That's yeah. Those are my thoughts. Yeah. It feels like um, trying to move on without digesting the meal. Yeah, honestly, it, it, I see this, this, I see it as trivialization of, it's like, uh, well, that's not my experience. So I'm going to just move ahead here. <laughs> and, um, that's not white people's choice to make. Honestly, it's not, it's not just like, oh, I'm, it's not my experience. I'm just not going to engage with it. Like that is, I can see where, um, a lot of energy work and a lot of, especially if we want to take the woo completely out of it too, mindset work. Yeah. I see these patterns exist in when coaches, um, and wellness folks talk about kind of revamping your mindset and focusing on the positive manifestation. Um, that's, I mean, I would call that more in the woo camp, but if we want to even just like take it into the completely mechanical, non-woo, um, almost more toward the like psychological emphasis. It's, it's still this, sometimes it can, it can get dangerous where it's like sanitize your mindset, all negativity. And that is, that's a really insidious form of, it can be a very insidious form of bypassing. Absolutely. Absolutely. Because it's like, if your ascension, your mindset work, your positivity, your manifestation is like so powerful and you're above whatever, then why doesn't like your, your manifestation is so powerful. Why doesn't it include liberating other people? Exactly. Not through like fucking ignoring them and pretending their <laughs> shit doesn't exist. Like, why doesn't it include saying like, Oh, these people are, I really believe that it's all in their mind and they're suffering. So your solution for the suffering is to ascend beyond it and ignore it as opposed to use it as a means to create change. I mean, the whole thing is BS because the people, like we are having a real experience and it's a thousand percent true, but like 
the most powerful leaders that I'm seeing in the space that that work in mindset and manifestation are actually deciding to use all of that work, all of that body of work around using your mind to create things, to create a loving, just world, not to just like ascend to wherever you are with your circle of white people and like not, and then, and then move. like, why aren't you creating a just world? Right. Like that's a Willy Wonka elevator. I don't want to be on. (laughs) I agree. And it's for me, I'm not even touching. I'm like, I'm seeing that elevator from like 10 miles away. And I'm like, we're walking in that complete opposite direction. (laughs) (laughs) And, um, you know, when we were, we were talking about your experience in, in our program is how did you see that play out specifically in, um, the setting that we were in, I mean, you, you know, you were talking about kind of the, the silence. And I know that we were also talking in our prior conversation about like, you could see uh, after the, after the protest first started, um, you could see sort of like the wheels turning behind the scenes of a lot of people who were very public facing, trying to figure out like, how do I manage this? And what, I guess, um, you know, I would love to hear more if you're willing to share about like what that experience was like at the time for you when you were, you were like deciding to leave the program. Um, I just was, I just was like, this is not, the space is not for me. Um, because I just felt like the silence said that the group didn't see me. Mm-hmm. So like if your ascension, <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm having so much fun with the word. <laughs> if, your, if your ascension means that you're so ascended that you see that the Black community is, is facing a very difficult and trying time, and it's heavy, and you can see my face multiple times a week but never think to check in or to speak to that, then you can't see me. So I was like, if they can't see me, I don't need to be in this group because what could I possibly get in a coaching environment that doesn't even see, like I'm fucking brown. If if you don't see me, (laughs) then Mm -hmm. how could you possibly help me? If you can't see who I am, if you can't take me in in my full entirety of my life experience and what it means for my work and my business, then I don't need to get anything from this program. I won't have what I need. And one of the most valuable things from any program like that, because this was, it was a group experience, it wasn't one-on-one, it was a group experience, is the connections you made. And I was like, if you can't see me, then if you can't see me in my fullness, then I, I'm not getting anything from here. So like, I just I just emailed the person who was leading the group and she was, and I want to say like with all clarity, she was very kind and generous in her um, response of just accepting what I said, like, I want to leave and I'm going to leave and I would like to have my money back. Like I want to just like exit out and take with me what I brought into it. And she was like, I completely understand. Sorry, we didn't do better and just released me from it. And great, like kudos to her because she acknowledged that she was lacking and she didn't try to get in my way or like prove herself worthy or righteous or good. She just 
accepted what she just accepted what I said and like moved on. And sometimes I think in those situations, people are so busy with their ego, like trying to like, how do I, how do I fix this? And how do I do that? And like, I didn't mean to do this. And, da, 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 and it's just like, I'm was really exhausted. Like I didn't even have time for that. I was like, I, if she said no, and like what, I would have still been gone. Like, <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and so I left. And then after that, I really didn't stay in touch with anyone in the group um, per se to know what, how they were responding to the movement. I didn't, I was, I was so exhausted during that time. I was so just overwhelmed with the heaviness and the heartache really. It was just like Mm -hmm. a heartbreak for several months um, that I couldn't really be concerned with what, how they were presenting. Like they had already showed me enough is Mm -hmm. what I felt like. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think there were really wonderful people in that group also. So it's not, it's not to paint like this whole brushstroke, like everybody is bad or everybody's racist or whatever. Like, like that's beyond the point. What I needed, I couldn't get. And so I left, you know, mm-hmm. and then I didn't pay attention because I was like, I got, I got bigger fish to fry. I have to take care of myself right now. I have to take care of my community right now. I need to change the world right now. I need to be busy ascending the whole planet, not just my fucking self. <laughs> like I have work to do with my community and to get through this. So I don't know what it looked like after, but that's how things changed. Like that's how it, it, I went about creating change in that space for myself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. After I, would, I remember in our last conversation, I was talking about how, you know, I stayed within the group and I finished the program and it, it, not just within our program and within that group, but in general, a lot of white folks in the, um, in that space, including myself, like trying to, there was this like vibe of trying to turn, like trying to figure out, like turn a bus, right. Like like on a tight corner where it was like, wait a minute, what do you know? And I realized, um, in what I, what was going on in my mind was like, how do I, you know, it was that conversation of like, how do I respond like a good white person? And like, that is, is still about me. Like it's still coming from a place of being like, I'm afraid of messing up and prioritizing that fear and that perfectionism above what you're talking about, which is like very, very, um, (laughs) very personal, obviously, like on the level of basic humanity yeah, issues that are in front of your face that like comparing that to a white person being like, how do I not, you know, how do I do it right? Like, that's right. just it's such a jarring difference. And so within our program, um, you know, after you left, there were lots of conversations along those lines Um, it was a lot of, of thinking and talking and of course that's better than no thinking and talking, but it it did stay within, um, I'm speaking for myself primarily. Again, I like really don't want to be speaking for everyone in the entire program more like, that's not my, my intention is not to like paint everybody with the broad brush, but I just like, 
also I have to just paint everybody with a broad brush. And like, if you're, if some, if someone who's listening in the group or somebody who's around the group and they're feeling a certain way, like, uh, it's not really like necessarily about you unless it's about you and you know it, right? Like, right. <laughs> right. So if it's about you, then it's not my fault that it's about you. And if it's not about you, then you don't need to take it personally. Um, but you probably should, like, <laughs> like maybe, maybe. <laughs> Maybe you should. And maybe there's good reason to. I love your example of call it turning the bus because like, that's exactly what I was seeing left and right. The coaching industry in our country is so saturated with white coaches that it was like imperative that every white coach prove that they were not racist immediately as soon as possible. And everybody was taking their like gigantic bus coach bus version of themselves, (laughs) of their business and their work and like trying to make a quick left or right turn. And like some people made it because they've been making that corner and it was fine for them. Rare, very rare. I'm just going to say that was <laughs> very rare. Some people like barely made it and like tipped over a little bit and they were like getting my shit together. I'm insisting I will get my shit together. And then some people just fucking fell over because well, it's hard, (laughs) not my problem, but it's hard. And then some people just like fucking couldn't make the turn. Why? Cause like you were faking that making that turn. You didn't even want to make the turn. So the whole shit didn't work out. Like you slammed into a building or something like it didn't work. And it was very obvious for me as a black person to see those coaches who were like way off and like didn't weren't doing it from integrity because they were the ones who like made a fucking bigger mess in the like super big mess like not like I don't know what I'm doing a little bit mess and I'm trying to make it right like it was a catastrophe and it was a catastrophe because it was completely not aligned to who they were they were just putting on a show Mm -hmm. but I love the bus example because it's like everybody's about to make a really tight turn and it was like the majority of white coaches were in that same predicament. Like I got to fix my shit. And like, um, from just like as a person witnessing, there was definitely, there was also us, there was a spectrum. There was a spectrum of version. And I think for everyone, it was hard. And for me watching, I was like, who's going to make it? Cause like, I can't learn from you unless you figured out, which is like, the whole purpose of how we got to this conversation was like, I cannot have the person who's leading me. I cannot have the person who's my guide, even on a subconscious level, be somebody who is entrenched in white supremacy and doesn't want to remove it or is denying it in any shape, way, shape or form, or isn't committed to um, like taking it out of their being and body of work and body of knowledge. Like I can't, I can't learn in that space. Like I can, I don't know, maybe I can have conversations with those people. Maybe we can go out to dinner, but I'm like, as a guide for how I want to move my coaching business and how I want to coach and how I want to expand. It is too dangerous for me to let somebody who doesn't have a handle of that and no like experience be my guide. Like, Right. So dangerous. And so that's why we were talking about it. Cause I was like, it's been a trip ever since I left that space. Not that it's been hard to find other spaces, but to like, um, have a heightened awareness of like how critical I am or who is allowed to teach me. 
and how I decide and what do I need to be in those spaces and how do I know I'm safe? Because not only it's like, I don't want to be led that way. I don't want to teach that to other people. I'm busy trying to take it out of myself because I've been breathing in the air. God forbid I hire somebody who like we all have it, but like who's not being intentional about making sure that they're not spoon feeding me the same shit. And I say that from the place of like also knowing I am that person too. Like I'm also the coach who has been brainwashed, who wants to make sure that I'm not passing down white supremacy in my, my teachings and in my guidance, you know? Right. Right. It's that role of student and teacher at the same time. Like we are learning, you know, we're, we're, I I would say so many coaches that I know are kind of always in student mode, always in um, curiosity mode, always trying to um, like learn more and incorporate, like incorporate what they're learning and be able to bring that to supporting their clients. And so it's this unique role of, um, you know, we are, we can be sponges sometimes. And especially when it's something so personal and intimate as self-development, as energy work, as mindset work, as Mm -hmm. essentially, um, touching the core of who we are in this very, um, um, emotional place in this very close space. And that requires a few different, I mean, I, you know, and again, like we, we concluded our last conversation that we had about this with like, we don't have the answers, but I think we did touch upon some good further questions to kind of keep in mind as either a coach who's deciding where they're learning from, where they're, and also from where they're teaching lineage is coming from because it's very common in our industry for us to be learning from someone who's coached by somebody else. So it's also very important to like kind of look up the, up the lineage, the ladder. Yeah. I love that you mentioned that in our conversation because I was telling you that there was a uh, mutual coach that I think we both admire. I'll use that word. I think. (laughs) And Mm -hmm. then I, and then I was telling you like, but I was looking up to see who was guiding her. And I was like, oh, hell no. <laughs> like, <laughs> right. And it wasn't like, I don't know that person well. And I might be terrible because it's like a physical, like, you know, it was a very superficial. Um, I have a f- very superficial relationship to that person. But from everything that I'm picking up in their energy and in their aesthetic, I was like, no, this shit is the opposite of what I want in the world. Basically, it was just like, if you're surrounded only in a community of white women, then no. Like for me, it's a no-go <laughs> mm-hmm. for me because mm-hmm. I'm literally busy trying to cultivate with intention very diverse spaces. Right. So, right, and I'm working even in my brain and be like, like what the marketing gurus tell you about all the specificity, which is fine, like whatever. But when it has to do with gender and race and sexuality and all of that stuff, liberate yourself from any of that shit having to do with marketing. Like, yes, just like get clear on what, how you want to help people and 
And then like, don't, don't let any beliefs around growing your business be dictated by exclusion. Right. Right. And so if I'm looking to somebody down their lineage line or their coaching line, and I'm like, oh, it's only white women in this space. I have no business there because I don't want to create what they've created. Right. I don't don't want it. Want it, right? right? So it doesn't make sense for me to be looking, barking up that tree, or right. whatever. <laughs> Analogies in the metaphor. I just don't want. So I was just like, it's a, it's a no for me. Like I like, I like this person. I love their energy. I like being around them, and I will not be allow myself to be in a group container with them where it just is out of alignment with what I want to create in the world. So that was one of my things that I realized. I'm like, look up the lineage tree. Who's guiding them? What have they created? I don't want, I I mean, this obviously sounds basic, but it's it's a new level for me now, right? Like before I was like, do they have what I want? Yes, but now I'm like, do they have what I want? And it's really colorful and like beautiful. And it it looks like the world I want to live in, Mm -hmm. right? This is, these are the same conversations organizations are having for the first time. And I'm having them about, like, who's just going to teach me? And it's hard for me because one of the things we talked about is just, like, me doing that in academia. Like, I am just started a program, and I'm like, wait a second, hold up here. <laughs> like, uh-huh. where are there other places that I can learn this that are diverse? This is the, like, in my current situation, this, this um, program in the academic world is probably as diverse of a place that I can learn this kind of stuff without having to like travel to another country and, and maybe learn a different fucking language. And so I'm like, how do I navigate that? I don't want them to teach me things that I'm going to teach other people that are poison. Right. Oh, you know, that right. is, that's making us sick. Like, how do I do that? Uh, anyway, that's so, yeah. Are they a reflection of like, are they creating the world that I want to live in? Right. And, and can I see it around them? Yes. Yes. Because it's, I, I think one of the guideposts of like, how do we, how do we go forward? How do we decide for ourselves what, what we want to, who we want to learn from and where we want to learn and what we want to learn is like, is, is the world around the institution or the coach or the whomever that you're learning from? Does that world look like a microcosm of the world that you are wanting to align with, wanting to um, expand further. Like you, the, you know, what you're saying is like certain, certain circles look like the world that you mm-hmm. want to contribute to support, perpetuate, expand, and others don't. Yeah. And, <laughs> and not. it's really important that you brought up academia because these, these, the patterns of white supremacy and the patterns of this, um, whitewashing sort of, I would say not necessarily spiritual bypassing, but bypassing, of course, in a lot of other ways, um, have existed within formal academic institutions for forever. And um, the the coaching world, you know, it's unregulated as in there isn't there isn't a governing body. It's not like Mm -hmm. um, there's a licensing board um, or anything like that. But it's it's still so it's prevalent in academia too. Yeah. Like it's prevalent in, of course it is. Um, yeah. But, and one of the things that I, you know, I think a lot about the difference between 
a more formalized, um, you know, academic industry versus an industry like coaching. And something I love about the coaching and the wellness world is often that it's very, the structure of coaching is non-hierarchical in a lot of ways, or it can be, it has the potential to be where it's like, uh, each one teach one. I think there's a lot of, um, support available. And again, it's like, what support are we opening ourselves up to? Um, what support are we choosing intentionally? But I do love the sort of camaraderie that can exist and that is possible within this, this industry that I think is very unique to this industry that you don't see as much in uh, formal institutions. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But that also really does open it up to a lot more, um, a lot more fuckery. <laughs> That's the word of the day. Yeah. yeah. I want to, I want to add two things. So like what you said, what, and what, what, actually one of them is to what I said earlier and then relating to what you said, the one thing earlier is like, I want to give a caveat that as a black woman, there are times where I just need to be in a space with black people. Like mm-hmm. I need respite. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I need a break. And so I don't have anything against those spaces. Like, I really don't. I think that they're necessary. Um, and I, I don't think of them as a, it's so interesting because I was, I'm reading this book called black and Buddhist. And they talk about this idea of like, um, people like POC people of colors, like sanghas and like versus going to like a white sangha. And like, if you're creating a sangha for people of color, kind of like a respite place that like its mission can't be separation right? Like its mission can be the respite. It could, Mm -hmm. mission can be holding space for things that you know that will not be held as well in that other more popular container. But like, if the mission is just separation, then we're actually doing ourselves a disservice. And so Mm. I actually, that, that really resonated for me. Like my goal isn't to not be next to white people. My goal is to be free of white supremacy. And part of what's white supremacy is separation. But I also know as a function of being a human and needing rest from how just the weight of it and the and yes. the work of it that I need those spaces. So like, I don't have a, anything against people creating spaces for that kind of respite, right? Like I don't have a, I don't have a problem with that. So when I'm looking to a person as a coach, like, yeah, it might be a black person who works with black people so that I can be in a space where it's just black people and I don't have to worry about other people's views of what, like other people's poisons of yes. what I'm supposed to be in the world. Like I need a break from that shit. Right. right. Sometimes. So like when I, so I don't, I don't, I want to say that I'm not against that, but also like in this program, in the academia that I'm like navigating, um, that is like busy. They're like busy with intention, trying to be as like woke and diverse as they possibly can. They're like hustling hard. They are, I see them, <laughs> I'm like, look at you guys just trying so hard. And I just was, and I, and like met with this, like knowing that they're trying so hard, I still like started the program and I was like, oh damn, this is going to be fucking extra work for me. Like I'm going to be the only one in like this particular circumstance and like have to speak to all this, like, oh, gross. I hate that. And the thing that I had to do, which, um, you mentioned is like, I, I actually just reached out to like the head of the program who like created it years ago and was like, listen, 
this looks like it's going to be extra work for this black woman right here. And like, I don't see where I'm going to get the support I need. Um, and these, and here's what I need um, to make this feel safer, better for me to not have to work twice as hard to get the same learning as everybody else. But I've had to be intentional about asking for it. And I'm not saying like, I'm not promoting asking, like, yes, I believe in asking for help, but I also feel like it's also extra work to have to ask for the extra help. Mm -hmm. Um, But so far I'm choosing to move forward because last time we talked, I was like, I don't know. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So far I'm choosing to move forward because I'm still recognizing like the point isn't to be in a space that's just not white forever. Like that's not goals. (laughs) That's not goals. And I also want all the benefits of this program. I don't want it to be not for me. Like I want all the shit too. Um, and so I'm trying to figure out what I need to get all of what, get everything I need to support me through the process of being in a learning container that's not built for me. Mm-hmm. And I'm asking the person who created the container to provide those needs instead of like making it my extra work, even though I've had to ask for it to like give myself solely give myself what I need. There's a lot to navigate there seriously like Jed just just listening to your example right there which I know is one of many it's that's so I'm thinking about like our parallel experiences and that is so much that's so much legwork on you mm-hmm. and that's just so much navigation and so much um placing of you know like it sounds sounds like a cost benefit analysis where it's like, like exactly. That. I want to, yeah. Like it's, it's, that is such, that is, it sounds like total resource allocation where you're like, I have this, I, I need to allocate my resources and well, and also protect myself in the process, but also open myself up to what is available to be learned here from like what the actual program is teaching and I'm just thinking about in parallel like I would just waltz into that program sit down open my notebook and like think about like it just there's just so much work in this example that you have done just on day one much I know this shit hasn't even really started yet like that was from Orion fucking Tation there's so much work so that being the case that's the same like it is the same work in all of these white spaces that I'm in in the coaching industry Mm -hmm. and I feel like I'm not going to say it's the same as you doing navigating QAnon but I just want everyone to be in an awareness like there is an extra work that is required. And part of that extra work is deciding who's going to be your teacher. And we have to do it. It's really important. And because like, if we don't do it, we have to do like, while we're busy unlearning all of the bullshit, we could have somebody intentionally or or negligently participating in like watering the shit that we're trying to pull out. Right. Right. And it's, this is also, it's a world that, um, 
I, I guess, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm sort of thinking about like, what are the, you know, what are the questions that we're asking ourselves as we're, as we're looking at this and as we're like choosing who we're learning from. And, um, I wanted to ask you if you're willing to share, like you were saying that in, in rare cases, the like things were handled well with like certain coaching spaces. You were saying that like around the time um, of the BLM movement, like it was rare that it was handled well, but it, it did exist. Like if you're one, if you feel like sharing, like what did it look like when it is done well? And then the, how can like, is that something that we could use as a model when we're choosing can I be, uh, okay, let me be honest about what that actually looks like. Uh-huh. Oh, I'm going to give one really good example of what I think that looks like. I can think of one person that I am deem worthy of this example, and she probably, if asked, would be like, no, <laughs> I failed. <laughs> but I appreciated her efforts. She was on the podcast before. Her name is Terry. You know Terry. Terry. I appreciated that in that time, Terry got real about like her own bullshit Mm -hmm. and like um, let everybody see it and called herself out repeatedly Mm -hmm. in public. Like instead of waiting for someone to point her face, I mean, I guess in a way I did because um, we were sharing spaces and I was calling all sorts of people out, but I I don't necessarily mean that that I'm responsible for what she, how she responded. But like, I just saw her, over and over again, calling herself out and letting people see how not pretty it was Mm -hmm. and letting people see the kind of discomfort and the shame around it. And she invited other people to (laughs) join in with her and be like, no, we need to be willing to sit in this shit so we can fix ourselves um, and like move on and like help and do better. And for me, that is a good example. And I don't mean to meet, make like her work was it like as a black person, I don't want her to be busy saying that shit to me. Mm-hmm. I'm cursing a lot today, but like, I don't want her busy to be like, Melissa, I'm so sorry. No, but she was talking to other white people and she was like, this is the shit I've done we do this shit. It is fucked up. You know, like she just kept speaking to that in a way that was, I think was vulnerable and like, was not pretty. It was not pretty. And Mm -hmm. I appreciate her for doing that. Um, and I think that is how you do it. Well, like the idea is not to center yourself. I saw her showing up for me plenty, but the parts where she was, that wasn't pretty wasn't for me. It was for other white people, um, to create a space for like, uh, to sh- give a courageous example of what it looks like to be keep it real and take responsibility. And that was the best efforts. I would say yeah. that I saw the next best thing, which isn't great, but it's the next best thing is coaches who like, <laughs> like apologize. And then here, I know I told you this, when organizations, and I'm just going to say coaches fall into that, when they first realize they're doing something wrong, they usually make a public statement. And somewhere in this public statement, every Black person reads 
that you still don't fucking get it. Like it's just, it's just, it happens every time. I'm like, oh, there's the statement. And I know that their intention is to say that they're great and they're working on it, but we can read right through in your statement how how well you don't fucking get it. And there's a moment after that when we're when we're like, you still don't fucking get it. You're saying sorry and you still don't even know what you're talking about. Mm-hmm. Um, where there's a chance to like continue and to insist that you're still going to keep going. Cause for a lot of people, they do that statement. They do their thing where they're showing that they're not biased. They're not racist or they want to do better. And and everybody's like, "Eh." and then they get emotional. Mm -hmm. Then Len was like, now we're like done with you. If, if I saw a coach who was, who managed to like, pick their selves off the ground after everybody was like, that was bullshit. And you don't even know how much bullshit it was. You really think that was sincere, but it was bullshit. If they managed to like come up after that and, and still insist like, no, I'm good. I, okay. I said, sorry. And my sorry was fucked up and it was wrong and I'm still getting it wrong, but I promise I'm going to keep, I'm going to keep working at it. And I'm so sorry that I suck. Like, I, like, I don't really want to, I'm not going to lie. In the moment, I don't really care to listen to people's like squabbles about why they're not doing better, but there's a make or break there. You could just like fail at that first attempt and move on, or you could have to do it again and be like, I'm going to apologize again. And I'm going to apologize again until I get it right. And there's a differentiation there for me. Mm -hmm. Uh, The willingness to like, continue to strive to do better and to be in integrity as people like because I think when people say sorry they expect to be met (laughs) with acceptance I'm sorry that I'm laughing (laughs) it's true no it's true they do they they expect to be met with acceptance and sometimes what you're saying when you're sorry it doesn't cut it and if you can deal with the fact that you're gonna get it wrong a bunch a jillion more times and keep keep going, I can respect that, and I trust that a lot more than the people who like failed and then they were like, "Well, they don't believe me, so whatever." Like, so that's the that's the next step, and it's a very far next step. <laughs> that's all. That's all I can remember. Like, there's there's keeping it a hundred about how you've been and who you are and what you need to change and um and then there's like really with as much grace and courage that you can have take responsibility for continuing to get it wrong Mm -hmm. which which everybody is doing like that's why we're having this conversation on this podcast and we're doing it in front of everybody instead of like pretending that we're going to get everything right we we just decided we might say a bunch of really like iffy stuff that we're not sure about and if we let everybody in on our uncertainty and our um you know our acknowledgement of yeah it's vulnerable but also how else are we going to figure this shit out then everybody else maybe everybody else can get in on the bandwagon of we're having uncomfortable conversations and we're saying shit wrong. And I don't know, I might get 
I don't know. I feel like I feel fine about this conversation, but who knows? Someone might email me later and be like, what the fuck? (laughs) And I'm going to have to just be okay with that and learn what I need to learn. And Mm -hmm. like, and we're having this conversation. I'm certainly not having this conversation from a place of some like ultimate wokeness. That is not it. I am not only breathing, I am breathing the same white supremacy air, but I have my, my, my biases towards gender. I have my biases towards gender identity and sexuality that are implanted. Like I want to live in a world where everybody is free and gets to be themselves. And I catch my program shit all the fucking time. And I'm disgusted by it. You know, like mm-hmm. it, it, the, you know, the, our, um, capacity to be wrong (laughs) everybody has it (laughs) everybody has it everybody has it and the more we and amazing would be a world where we all also have the capacity to be okay with the fact that sometimes we're fucking wrong yeah you're right you're right it's um exposing ourselves to that the ongoing nature of our capacity to be wrong, I think is also really important too. It's like, um, I think, I think there was maybe some sort of expectation that there was one apology that was sufficient or there was one conversation that was sufficient there. And that after that point, either everything was all good or maybe there was nothing else to say, or maybe there was a lot of nerves around furthering the conversation and, and by furthering the conversation, then thus, um, you know, opening up the the floor for, for being wrong again. And, um, something, you know, I think that's something that like, as a white person, I am frequently, reminding myself of over and over is that like, there is no, there is no, there's no tidiness here. (laughs) (laughs) And then like that impulse, that impulse to be like, I wish, I wish there was a tidy answer or a harmonious moment among this like that's white supremacy that's a that's a program yes. I wish there was a it to be right way for me what? to say this and then everybody would believe that I'm good and it's like <sighs> the question is not whether you're good or not <laughs> in all honesty it's not that because <laughs> there are lots of good people doing fucked up shit including myself not like because I'm intentionally doing anything wrong but like I have thoughts that I'm like, why is that bias in my brain? Or how do I get rid of that? Like, (laughs) it's not a question of whether you're a good person and that that nature of wanting to be good rather than deal with the injustice or deal with fixing ourselves or dealing with people seeing us flaw is white supremacy insisting that we be fucking perfect all the time. But like one of the things that I tell my boyfriend all the time is like, people underestimate how much of a mess it's going to be to fix the mess that we're in. Like you're mm-hmm. saying, mm-hmm. like you're, if you live in a world where like your experience of whatever the mess is, is pretty like, for example, my experience as like, as, as a um, heterosexual woman, like for me, my sexuality is tidy, mm-hmm. so, but me fixing it, 
in the world <laughs> from my lack of perspective is fucking messy. And it's a mess. Like the whole situation is a mess because they're not free to be who themselves, who they are. So just because my life has been tidy, it's like for me to fix that mess, I have to willy, be willing to get untidy in that situation and not let it just be untidy for them. Like it's untidy for me too. And so I have to become, I have to be willing to be less perfect so that they can be free because they mm -hmm. are perfect because everybody else, like on the inside, because the whole, the whole bullshit is that, <laughs> the whole bullshit is pretending that anybody's wrong to begin with. So like, I love that what you're saying, like there's no tidiness in this. It's untidy. Right. And the idea, the idea of uh, good TM, like quote unquote goodness in people. And this, this, the idea of the tidy good is, I feel a hologram. I think it's unsustainable as an idea. I think it's white supremacist and it is, it's a mirage. It keeps us distracted from actually engaging with each other in, in the mess. And it keeps us from developing, um, skills of resilience with the mess to be witnessed in the mess, to engage in the mess, to be um, seen as, uh-oh, not good. <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh. It's, it's such good coaching, by the way. Thanks. <laughs> it's such good coach. Like, cause what I'm hearing you like bring up is like something that we really know well in coaching is that like to figure something out, you kind of have to be willing to try and put yourself out there. Mm -hmm. And like the notion that you're going to get racism right or like any version of our ism right without like going out and having someone tell you like you fucked up and that you didn't get it right is preposterous it's ridiculous you need to have a couple of people tell you you're ridiculous mm -hmm. i need a couple of people to tell me <laughs> i'm ridiculous so that i can get it right and we in coaching we know that about trying anything like you gotta go and be willing to fail and you need to be willing to learn from the fail. And for some strange reason, we think we're going to be able to avoid that with people, maybe because we don't want to hurt them and we don't want to hurt ourselves, but we are hurting people by sitting down and not doing anything and not letting them like tell us what it is. Right. And I think the narrowing things down and wanting them to be tidy also cheats us all out of um, it cheats us out of a, a certain fullness of experience where it's like, mm -hmm. there's this, this, this narrow road where it's like, okay, if I say the wrong thing, then I, you know, I feel so bad. And then I'm not seen as good. And it's like, what about, all of the other stuff in play here. What about the fact that like, we all have flaws. We all mess up. We all have like most of us are privileged in some way. Most of us um, have been, all of us have been raised with this, the programming of the society that we're in. Like there's just such a bigger picture. And that's me saying there's a bigger picture is not me saying that, um, we should be absolved of accountability or, yeah. you know, being, looking with our eyes open when we mess up and being able to hear when we mess up. But, um, I think one of the things that 
white supremacist, like capitalist ideology does is takes us down this restrictive narrow road. And I can see it on the micro level in, in coaching. I can see it in the way that we, um, restrict ourselves from resting sometimes, or we restrict ourselves from, um, giving ourselves grace in whatever we're going through. It's a very, like, I think being willing to engage in these really messy, oftentimes like complex and sometimes icky conversations does a whole lot on the micro and the macro level. And maybe it can like help us all hold space for ourselves inside our own heads and yeah. also um, in a more collective sense too. But I'm, I'm just like realizing it's only icky because we're avoiding it. Yes. Oh my God. You're so right. 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 It's right. It, we're, it's icky because we're scared. Mm-hmm. It's icky because we're avoiding it. it. It's icky because we've made it so that people who are suffering the injustice don't feel like they can say anything and they have to do the work of it. And it's icky because we don't want to get busted if we do it wrong. Mm-hmm. When what if they felt like, no, that doesn't work was like the easiest thing in the world to say. And we were like, oh, shoot, my bad. And that was the, like, <laughs> just like, I know it's a fantasy world, but like part of the ick is just our reluctance to get messy and be wrong. Mm-hmm. And, and I'm, and now it has me thinking about like, just like coach, like now we're having this conversation with each other and we're having this conversation on the podcast to like other people who work in whatever industries that may be coaching, but it makes me think like, I, maybe I haven't called out enough of my mentors on their shit, right? Like maybe I should have been calling them out a long time ago, but I didn't, I was breathing in the same sauce, but like the more we do it, and I don't mean like with evil intent, I mean, straight up, like, this is what's real for me. Mm-hmm. This doesn't work. Mm-hmm. The more we do it, um, the more everyone gets to learn. And then, and then we won't have to be busy <laughs> busting our asses. <laughs> right. To make sure that we're in safe spaces. Right. Maybe one day we get to be safe. <laughs> like, I don't know. Delicious. Or just better. Or yeah. just better. And it just, it's kind of reminding me of like, you know, when you get, this is an incredibly trivialized metaphor. So like, (laughs) it's a small scale thing, but I'm like with these conversations, like when you have a wound and it sometimes feels better to just put a bandaid on it because then the oxygen isn't hitting it. But we all know that like light and air are kind of the best way to heal something and the best way for things to uh, things that need to decompose to decompose things mm-hmm. that need to grow to grow and opening the windows and risking that vulnerability of being seen in our mess in that way, like is the, it, it is, I think the quickest way to healing, like it, yeah, I'd, I've been really interested in, um, and I'm, I need to do more research on this and like look more into this, but I've been interested in some folks who have been doing resilience work with these conversations. Um, Adrian Marie Brown comes to mind mm-hmm. um, specifically, but talking about um, ways that we can 
be resilient in these conversations over the long haul, that this is, you know, a way to, um, bolster ourselves against the, the temp temptation to be tidy and like this <laughs> way to kind of experience the, the waves of complexity and intensity and emotion that come with these conversations in our body and to be able to like equip us with skills to process them and keep the conversations going or keep the work going or keep, um, just be able to engage with the ongoing nature of this instead of, um, feeling like the only option is to resort to tidiness. But yeah, that's just a mental note to look into that more. <laughs> Sounds good. Yeah. Yeah. What, um, what, um, so many wonderful things that we got to talk about. It's so good. And I love that. Great. Like, I was going to say like, not what irony, but like that we started the conversation, like who's our teacher. And then we're like, okay, like, how do we learn more? <laughs> like how do, right. how do we ourselves show up in a better way for the, so that, so that we're not, so that we can do the same so that we can have the resilience that we really need the people who, well, for certainly for me that I really need any of my future teachers who don't get it to have, again, how do I have that? Because soon it will be me holding space for somebody else who's, thing I don't have, like, I don't understand like the back of my hand because I haven't experienced it, you know? Right. Um, so, so, so good. Kate, that's so good. <laughs> Thank you. This is just, it's just, I've, I felt so nourished and, um, yeah, so nourished by our conversations today and the one that we had last week. And also just thank you with your like willingness to engage about this stuff with me and your generosity in holding this space. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Well, thank you for being in this space with me and, and doing the exact same and just like, we're just figuring it. Like we're just trying to figure it out. Just trying. We are just trying to, trying. we are just trying to figure it out. Like I don't, I just, I'm human, you know, like yeah. so interesting. Cause, um, as the coach, like as the teacher and as the student, it's like, I'm wearing both of the hats. I'm always human the entire time. So I'm still figuring it out. Like I'm alive. So I'm still figuring it out like everybody else. So like for everyone who's listening, thank you for listening. Thank you for listening to our questions and please don't take anything that we said as like the solid truth. Like for real, we're talking about it so we can sort it out. And probably by next year, we'll have these other different versions of revelations regarding the same thing, but we just wanted to have the conversation out loud because we haven't bumped into these conversations. And then also, I just really wanted to talk to Kate about this because she was offering her perspective in a landscape that I just, <laughs> a terrain that I don't see, <laughs> that I don't know anything about, but it's still essential for navigating a world that we want to live in yeah, for right. essential for creating the world that we want to live in. So Kate, tell everyone again, how they can find you in the world. <laughs> sure. Thank you. Um, right now I am on Instagram. My, my handle is my first name, K A T E dot my last name, P E R U Z Z I N I. 
And um, that's that's where I do most of my talking right now. Um, and would love to engage with anybody who wants to talk and just shoot me a DM, like really, really open to and very actively interested in continuing this conversation. And again, doesn't have to be in a tidy way. So um, would love to hear from anybody with, with any thoughts on that. It would be an honor to continue the conversation with you. I love that, Kate. Thank you for that generous offer. I definitely have heard other white coaches kind of giving off the airs of like the complexity of watch of navigating the wellness world, coaching and QAnon. And I'm like, not tapped in because I haven't had to, I'm busy with other things, <laughs> but, um, but I, I so appreciate a place like that you're offering yourself as a place for that conversation to be had and those inquiries to be made. And, um, cause every, we, we just, we need each other period. The mm. end. We need each other. We need each you know. other. I love that. Yeah. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. This is awesome. Amazing. Hooray, we did it. That was a long episode, but it was a lot of important things. Thank you. I I have to say, like, when before we first got on Zoom, I was like just like so I was just thinking about like I'm I'm just grateful that you were willing to talk to me about this stuff, honestly. Cause like it's I'm so glad that it happened that way too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And you know, like in just in terms of like the labor differential and like mm. all of just so much more navigating that like the reality is that you have to do. And I um had been very white people afraid of like perpetuating that navigation yeah. in anybody or like asking a question that would require too much labor or like mm-hmm. uh, too it's that's my shit like I need to work on that because it got too it got too tight and too me centric and I yeah thank you well, I have to tell you some people because because we're not a monolith some people are not going to want to ask they're going to be bothered by you asking the question mm-hmm and I like, so I had a girlfriend ask me this. She, she was in a situation where she like had spoke up for a person of color mm-hmm. and she was like, then that person got mad at her. Mm-hmm. And then she's like, well, what do I do? And I was like, uh, you're fine. <laughs> yeah. You don't have to. I was like, yeah. part of, if part of your burden is speaking up and then having the person be mad at you then let that be part of the burden, right? Because that person right. had to deal with that a hundred million times. And if the repercussions for you is this one time that they're mad at you, all mm-hmm. you have to do is say, I'm sorry. And I won't do that anymore. And then like feel the feelings and know you're not going to die. <laughs> like- yeah, that's, yeah. <laughs> yes, thank you. That's, that monolithic thing is fucking real and problematic because it's like because you want to do it right mm-hmm. and i see this i feel like this is going to be part of the podcast we should just add it <laughs> i know i gotta keep going I, I it is important um you know i think i see this sometimes in talking about not the same thing but like talking about gender with cis men where 
there there's almost this like essence of them feelings I get this vibe where it's like I'm traveling in a foreign land and I don't want to mess up or like I don't want to I don't want to insult the local people and I'm like I'm just one lady you know like it's just we so thank you for that reflection like obviously it's it's do it the best that you can with everything that you know Mm -hmm. you're gonna fuck up one of us is gonna be very mad at you for the same thing that one of us told you that we appreciate you for Mm-hmm. Right. And that shit is messy. Yep. And that's the shit that we're in. <laughs> like, exactly what we're talking this about. This is what it's exactly what we're talking about. So I totally hear what you're saying. And I'm like, and so you're uncomfortable. Yeah. Welcome. Join us. Welcome. Yeah. The more you join us, the less everybody is gonna be uncomfortable, is how I really feel about the whole thing. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Thank you. What a mess. <laughs> we're laughing about like what a fucking mess but that that's what it is this is our work on the world in the planet Mm -hmm. thank you thank you i'll talk to you soon thanks for listening to this episode of the get sacred podcast for more ways to connect i want you to head to melissaalesian.com to be coached by me head to my website and schedule a time for us to chat all things sacred and sovereign about your life and your business the link is in the show notes i'll talk to you soon mm-hmm.